You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Love you guys so much. Listen, we're starting this series titled Community. It's not necessarily a relationship series because we're not focusing specifically. We're going dark now. Uh, I don't know what happened to the lights. There you go, back up. Um, it's not necessarily a relationship series, but we will talk about how people relate. We're going to go a little bit deeper than relationship series and just look at the effect, the need of community, talk about the importance of community and how to approach community properly. Because uh, if, you, if you've lived long enough, you know that there's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. There's no such thing as, uh, as an island, right? Nobody is an island. And if you are an island, it's going to be a very difficult life because you won't be able to progress. Everything that we, we've been able to accomplish today, it's because, or you've been able to accomplish because of there was a community around you. Somebody taught you how to walk. Somebody taught you how to talk. Somebody taught you math. Somebody taught you, uh, you know, uh, physics, whether you like it or not. You know. And, uh, and, you know, somebody taught you the things that you, your skills, uh, you were in, you, because you were part of a community. So we're going to talk about the principles of belonging. We all want to belong. We all want to be part of, of something important. And we want to talk about also how to nurture that belonging in a healthy community. Um, and its importance in our lives. And today I want to start with a very simple message, but it sometimes uh, simple things get forgotten or get overlooked. Uh, and the message I want to talk to you today about, I want to talk to you about friendship. Friendship is a bedrock of, of community. And sometimes we overlook the importance of friendship. We overlook the importance and the effects of friendship in our lives. So friendship, uh, as, as, as we know, um, needs to be defined. And so I just want uh, to explore a little bit this idea of friendship because as our world gr- uh, grows and becomes more eroticized, what happens is people think that friendship is a subcategory of some kind of physical, intimate relationship, that, that a friendship is maybe an unfulfilled romantic relationship or a deep friendship is a light version of romantic relationship and like romantic relationship is the greatest relationship that you can have and friendship is you know this this milder version of it and minimizing friendship should not be uh, the way that we should look at friendship because friendship carries some unique characteristics that sets itself apart to start a friendship reveals things about you that no other relationship can you have a good friend, that good friend will pull things out of you that no one else can do. Can, and, and each good friend that you have, like I said, has an ability to manifest something in you that other people can't. Um, and this is something that, that you will learn and realize as we explore new friendships. That's why if you, if you have a, French, a true friendship and you've, you've found a kindred soul... As you connect to that person, um, in friendship, what you hope to do is to find a third. Every, every, every group of two friends hopes to find a third. 
And every group of three friends hopes to find the fourth because friendship is better when it's shared. Two friends are enriched by a third friend, and so are three friends by a fourth. And it's because, because of this, this capacity that friendship has to manifest a particular part of you. And if you've married, if you're married, you you've you've experienced that, you've explored that to some capacity. You know, there's a theory that says that uh, three people, if three people are friends and one of them passes away, the other two not only lose the friend that passed away, but they lose the effect of that friend in them. In other words, if, uh, if Mary, Gary, and Terry are friends, it would be amazing by itself because their names rhyme. Wouldn't it be great to have two friends that, that, that rhymes with your name? Uh, so if Mary, Gary, and Terry are friends... And then, unfortunately, Gary dies. Uh, Mary and Terry are not only losing Gary, but they're losing the effect Gary has. So Mary would lose the effect Gary has in Terry. And Terry would lose the effect Gary has on Mary. There's way more than just that one individual, because in friendship, there's this symbiosis. There's this effect. And, and, and the, the reality is this. No one person... It's big enough to pull everything out of you, to make ev- all parts of you and all sides of you to be manifested. And I mentioned, uh, I mentioned bar- uh, marriage. Uh, this is what's interesting about marriage is that what separates a romantic love from friendship is really this effect that friendship is unique in the aspect that a good friend wants to share his friend with others. This is where the theory of friendship being a weaker version of romantic love crumbles because uh, if you are married or if, you, if you're in a committed relationship that is romantic, you know this well. You know that if you're married and you are in love, the romance that you share, the romance that you share with your wife or husband is yours alone. That's why you said your vows. That's why you came and in a beautiful ceremony, and you came before a priest or a pastor or somebody and your family and friends and before God, and you confessed your vows and you shared your love because the, what's special about a romantic love is its ex- exclusivity. And if you're willing to take the step to say, I'm going to be yours forever, you're saying, I'm not going to be anybody else's forever. And that's the beauty and what's special about romantic love. Friendship, on the other hand, you want to share your friend. And if you're married, that's the, that's the part of your relationship with your spouse. Hopefully, you're friends. Hopefully, you, you enjoy the friendship of your spouse as well. But you want to share that friendship. And I can tell you, I've experienced that in firsthand. Every time I meet a new friend, and if that person is married, and he becomes a dear friend, he'll say, man, we got to get our wives together. I think they're going to get along. Or, oh, I got a guy you got to meet. You're going to love this guy. Or, hey, let's come, let's come together. I'm bringing some people together. You guys should come over. I want to introduce you to some of my friends. Because friendship has this ap- aspect of, I want to share my friendship with you and, and with someone else. I, 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 I love my wife, and our romantic life is ours alone. But we love hanging out with other people. Because other people have a way of bringing things out of her that even my deepest and most amazing friendship can't. Right? 
Because there, there's an aspect of, of friendship that manifests different, different parts. So when we have friends over, when friends come to visit, and when we go out with friends, there's a different dynamic that's beautiful. And only friendship can do that. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Have you ever, have you ever, um, have you ever uh, been in, in an environment with somebody you've known for a long time? You've known this person for a long time, but you're in a different environment, maybe different people, maybe new people, and that person begins to, to, to manifest some new things, and you, 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 you tell them later, like, I've never seen you in that light before. I, I, never, I never knew you, you knew that. I never knew you could talk like that. I never knew there was those things of you that you manifested. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, something silly, like maybe they're, they're a little bit... Uh, goofy or, or it's a humor thing or you know, maybe they, they show a kind of insight that you didn't know they have but you realize, you say, I've never seen this person like that before. What happened? Friendship happened. Friendship has this ability, this ability to do that. Now friendship was at the core of Jesus' mission and this is something that sometimes we overlook and we don't realize because we, we don't think of friendship as a spiritual thing, right? But sh- friendship is something very, very spiritual as well. And Jesus modeled a life lived in community. A community that was centered around the love of God and centered a- 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 around loving one another. And this is what Jesus shared with his disciples during the Last Supper. This is a well-known scripture, but we're going to review it and look at it again. John chapter 15 Verse 12 through 15. If you have the app, you can follow on the app as well with the filling in the blanks. It says this in John 15, uh, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Now, if you highlight your Bible, that's a good thing to to highlight right there. Jesus is giving a commandment. And a commandment is something that he's uh, he's telling us to do. So to love is is something objective, right? You you don't just follow your feelings. You You can decide to love. And Jesus is saying, my commandment is that you decide to love one another, is that you take the step toward loving one another. Greater love has no one than this, he continues, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Interesting passage. We're going to explore that. No, no longer do I call you servants, For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. A passage worth meditating, if you haven't meditated on this passage. But Jesus' ministry and mission was based on friendship. That was his goal. His goal was not to have servants, even though we serve the Lord with all our hearts. His goal was to have friends is that his servants would become friends. And this is what I believe uh, is the upgrade in the relationship, is because servants serve a purpose. Servants are connected to the task, but friends serve one another. Friends serve each other. He continues, you did not choose me, verse 16, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you these things i command you so that you so that you will love one another two times jesus says the word command here which means he's 
He's asking us to make this decision. Uh, and it's a very important decision. So Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command. I want to highlight that part because sometimes we misunderstand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is putting a condition, and <laughs> which at first glance sounds like the way my daughters talk to each other sometimes. <laughs> can, can, I, can I play with your toy? No. Oh, so you don't want to be my friend anymore? That's how my daughters sometimes talk to each other. And, and it, sometimes it may sound like that's what, that's what Jesus would do. In fact, uh, it, it sounds very dire, right? It, 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 one of my daughters went through this, uh, this phase where they, they would make the most creative connections between a, a restriction or, or a negative response and their ultimate demise. So it would play like this. Daddy, can I have a cookie? And I would say, no, I don't want you to have a cookie. And she said, so you don't want me to eat? You want me to starve? If I starve, I die. You want me to die? <laughs> because they discovered that if, it, it, you know, we, we want to keep him alive. <laughs> That's our goal, to keep him alive. So if, if they paint a picture of death, maybe they'll get what they want. They're very smart. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they don't do that anymore, but it was, it was, a, fun, it was a fun season. Uh, to exp exploring the, those options, because at first it just takes you back. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but then you realize that they're, you know, just playing with realities. Kids like to play make-believe, right? Maybe that's a bit dramatic. But this is not a version of what Jesus is doing here. He's not saying, hey, you want to play my game? It's my ball, my rules. Like, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is doing, he's explaining that if you're going to engage in a relationship with him, he's not trying to manipulate you to be his friend. He's explaining that if you're going to be in a relationship with him, this is what it looks like. A relationship with him is a level of commitment where he says, I chose you. I called you. I called you to be my friend. I called you to walk with me. I called you to live a life that bears fruit. And this is what I want from you. Uh, that, this is what I want for you, that the fruit that you bear may last, that the things that you do will not just, they're not just gone with the wind, that the things you produce with your hands, they may be lasting. That's my plan and my, and my, and my desire for your life. This is basically what Jesus is saying, that when you, when you engage in the fruit of your life, like your relationships, your marriage, the things you produce, the things you're capable of, that those things will last I want the, the, the fruit that you have to, to abide. I want you to be in such harmony with the Father, in such harmony with me, that whatever you ask, God will give you, because you know how to ask. You know what, what, what to ask for, because your heart is in sync with the Father. Therefore, you're going to ask for the things that He wants to give you. You're going to have a revelation for the future that is lined up with God's will for your life. And, and you're, going to, you're going to be asking the things that He wants to give you. In other words, asking is not just saying, God, please give me, right? Asking is, is the action. It's walking towards something. It's, it's directing, uh, directing your life toward a desired goal. So asking God for things the things that he wants to give you is key so that your life may produce things that are lasting. This is what Jesus is trying to catch our attention and say, this is what friendship with me looks like. 
You're going to go through a journey, and, your, and you, the fruit of your life will abide. That's why I'm commanding you. And the reason why I'm commanding you to do these things is, is it's very simple. My purpose, my commands, my rule have one goal, that you may love one another. This is why I'm commanding you this, so that you may love one another. In other words, Jesus came so that strangers, even enemies, people who think they have nothing in common with each other, would be friends. That's his goal. And I love that about church. Because church has a unique way of bringing the most unlikely friendships together. I get asked often, uh, and I've, I've, asked, I've, been, I've been asked this question multiple time, times, and the question is a version of, do you think that if we weren't together in church, we would ever be friends? Would there be an environment where we would cross paths? And the answer is usually probably not, but isn't that great? Isn't that great that we come from different backgrounds, different realities, in other environments, we probably would have never met. But because of the church, because of what Jesus has done, we come together. Not because of immutable characteristics like gender, race, age, or common things that divide people nowadays like socioeconomic status, education, nationality, career. But a church community is the only place in society, I can't think of any other place, for all age groups, where people who have nothing in common can come together and find commonality and be constantly in connection and find meaningful and deep friendships that are not based on any common interest of this world. But we're connected, bonded by Christ's love in a divine purpose, divine friendship, friendship that's from the Lord, to love one another. As Christ has loved us. I love the church. That's why I'd like to encourage you to join a connect group. You knew it was coming. But if you talk to any of the guys and any of the girls who have joined this new season of connect group. And we only have one for each right now. We're going to expand and grow more. But the concentration of, of, of faith and, and camaraderie in these groups have been amazing. You can talk to all of them. And you, you're going to want what they have if you talk to them. So beware. Friendship, fellowship, love, generosity. That's what God has called us to, to, to share that among people. So let me encourage you today as we open this series to value friendship, to, to pay attention and not just overlook friendship, but to make a decision that you're going to be a good friend. That at the end of your life, if there's anything you're going to, you're going to excel at, friendship is going to be one of the top items. You're going to be a great dad, a great mom. You're going to be a great brother, a great sister, a great son, a great daughter. You're going to be a good friend. Now, what are some characteristics of friendship? There are many characteristics of friendship that we can learn from the Scripture. I'm going to highlight five for you today, okay? And we're going to go through them uh, quite quickly. The first one is this. Like I said before from Jesus' passage, good friends serve each other. 
Good friends serve each other. Jesus said this, that greater, greater love has no one than this, that someone will lay down his life for his friends. And I've seen this happen in church multiple times. That's why I love the body of Christ. Just last year, there was a, a guy, a man in our church who uh, bought a house that needed some work and, and you know, he, he needed to do some things himself. And what happened is, uh, the, 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 without invitation, the man just came together around him. And they came with hammers and coffees and pizza. And they went and, and did the work together. Camaraderie, coming together, serving one another. He was about to welcome a baby, so uh, the guys just rallied together and, and served him. The same thing has happened multiple times with the ladies in our church. Somebody is in need. You know, they prepare meals. They serve. They, they provide for people's needs. They go and, and, and minister to them. And uh, I, I love that because that's, that's divine connection. That's friendship. That's serving one another. That's what being a good friend uh, is all about. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold, cord, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I love this passage because it basically shares that a, friend, a good friend is not demanding. A good friend is looking to serve. A good friend is present and is there to, to uh, be there uh, whenever is needed. See, a, a good friend, uh, a friend that demands is not a good friend because that's, that's selfish, right? But a, a good friend shows up and says, how can I help? What can I do? How can I serve? You know, last snowstorm we had, not, not today's, but last time when we had a lot of snow, I asked one of our teams, like, how, they, how were they doing? If everybody was okay, if they needed anything. And as we were setting up, one of the fine and, and amazing gentlemen in our team, and I'm not going to say any names because they're all fine and stellar individuals in our team. But one of them said, you know, I, I shoveled my driveway this morning and my neighbor's driveway. And I'm like, that's, that's a good friend. That's a good friend right there who's looking to serve. Second point, good friends watch for each other's blind spots. This is very important. You watch out for each other's blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have areas in our lives that need improvement. And so, so often we're sold the idea that a good friend needs to be supportive at all times, no matter what. That if you're going to be a good friend, you just need to say yes. You just, you just need to say, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. And that's important. But a good friend knows when his friend is making a bad decision and knows how to call it. This is what what scripture says in proverbs a very interesting passage but i'm sure that that if you have a good friend you've experienced this this is the passage in proverbs 27 6 it says faithful are the wounds of a friend just think about this sentence for a little bit it sounds like it sounds like it's backwards faithful are the wounds of a friend profuse are the kisses of an enemy that means this that there are times when a good friend will wound you. 
But the good friend is not wounding you. This is not talking about betrayal. This is not talking about jealousy. This is not talking about anger. This is not talking about a falling out in a relationship. This is talking about a friend that is willing to hurt your feelings with the truth because they love you and vice versa. A good friend would rather hurt their loved one with truth to save their life then see them walk down a path of destruction while you're supporting and applauding everything they do. A good friend watches out for his friend's blind spots. And we all have them. So let's be that kind of friend. I find it interesting that this passage says that enemies flatter, which is true. Enemies will, will try to use... Uh, uh, flattering words and compliments to to manipulate your feelings but friends don't do that it may sound nice to always be supportive it may sound nice to always say yes but you, you cannot you cannot mistaken being supportive with encouraging something destructive it's important to have discernment in that so good friends are better than that good friends Watch out for each other. Let me encourage you to be one of those friends. One of those friends that say, you know what? I got your back. I got your back. The blind spots that you have, I got it. Third lesson or third principle here. Good friends cover each other's faults. This is the other side of it, right? We know that no one is perfect. But as you, as you get close to a friend, you're going to find something. Your friend is not perfect. And how can you deal with that humanity in, in people? How, how, do you, how do you approach the humanity in people? This is what the scripture says in Proverbs as well. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. In other words, don't be a blabbermouth. Know how to cover your friend's faults you know that doesn't mean that you enable sin that doesn't mean that you even agree with everything your friend says or does that means you don't expose a friend yeah you cover their blind spots but you don't expose them you go you don't go around talking about have you heard of they did have you heard what they said no a friend is somebody who covers his friend's fault this is what I've learned. Anyone who comes to you to talk about somebody else's life is going to go to the next person to talk about your life. There's no exceptions. I've been in this log for a long time. And I've seen that happen since I was a little boy, even in church. So you got you to open your heart to realize, you know, sometimes conversations are not worth having. Um, gossip sometimes may seem attractive. It's not worth it. Just what Alini and I have decided. That we're not going to entertain gossip. We'll help people. If people have a need and the need is brought up, if there's something that's happening that our help is needed, we'll, we'll listen. We'll extend a hand. We'll be kind. But we're not just going to listen to people's. This is not the kind of conversation we want to have. See, I've heard it said that... that Small people talk about each other, uh, other people's problems. Uh, average people talk about themselves all the time. But great people talk about ideas. 
and ideals. Let's be great people that share vision and encourage one another. Let's be trustworthy, as the scripture says. Fourth uh, principle here. Good friends are present. Very simple. Good friends are present. I don't know if you know the story of Job in the scripture, but it's a very, very interesting story. And some scholars believe that that was the first book written uh, ever uh, that, that is in the collection of books in the Bible. The Job uh, story is poetic and it's 42, cha- 42 chapters. And most of the chapters talk about his lament, talk about his suffering. What happened to Job is that he was a prosperous man, a righteous man who did everything right. And he had, he had every intention to do things right. But uh, in the story, God allowed the enemy to tempt him and to take everything from him except his life. So Job goes through a process of suffering that tests his soul. And, and there's a moment in the scripture, very early in the scripture, where his friends come to him to be with him because they heard that he uh, had gone through such uh, uh, calamity, such suffering. And this is where we pick up in the scripture. We're going to read uh, the story here. Three, three verses in the story. Job chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 11 through 13 say, say this. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. I didn't practice that word. Namathite. Don't name your kids that. It's going to be really hard. (laughs) They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. Such was his suffering. And they raised their voices and wept from a distance. That's how bad it was. They started crying. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. That was a sign of distress back in those days. It was a common sign of distress. Whenever you saw something that cut you to the core, you would just tear your clothes and throw dust in your head as a symbol of of your distress. And they sat with him. Listen to this. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. For they saw his suffering was very great. And let me tell you something. Sometimes you just need to be there. Sometimes you just need to be present. We feel all this pressure that we have to have the answer. We have to have that wise words. We have to know what to say. We have to somehow bring solution because we're so solution driven. Let me tell you, as a good friend, sometimes you just need to be there. You don't have to be the wise one. You don't have to bring the answer. You just got to be there and be present like Job's friends. Just be present. I've heard, it say, say, I've heard it said this way. A good friend may miss a birthday party, but they should never miss a funeral. When somebody's going through a valley, we ought to be present. Be present in your friendship. Make the phone call. Reach out. Ask questions. When you care and when you are kind, you're showing God's love and you're fulfilling Jesus' commitment to love one another. Let me encourage you to be present as a friend. Listen, no one should go through a valley alone. No one should go through loss alone. No one should go through 
tragedy alone. So let's be the ones who are comforting our friends, who are present in their lives. Take time to be present. And last principle I want to share with you is this, very important as well. Good friends put their expectations on God. I want you to think about this for a minute. Because I've seen a lot of friendships deteriorate because of misplaced expectations. You begin to expect from a friend what you should be expecting from God. This is what C.S. Lewis said when talking about friendship. He said, lovers are normally face-to-face, absorbed in each other. Friends are side-by-side, absorbed in some common interest. This is what happens when you're side-by-side with a friend, moving toward a common interest. There are expectations that can be misplaced. Now, you should have expectations of friendship. There are healthy expectations that you can have of a friend and a friendship. But so often, people get carried away by what they want. They're willing to sacrifice a friendship on the altar of their ambitions. I've made a decision in my life. And I want to encourage you with this. Not going to live to impress. Not going to live to manipulate. I'm not going to live to try to use relationships to produce something that I want. I'm not going to try to look at a relationship with the strategy and say, maybe this person can do this for me. Maybe that person can do that for me. Maybe this person can do this for the church. Maybe we can try to extract. No, we're not going to scheme. You know what? I'm going to place all of my expectations on the Lord. God is my provider. He's the provider for this church. He's the provider for our family. He's our source. He's the one that has my expectation. Everything that I envision for my life, my children, my family, my wife, it's set on the Lord. My hopes are on the Lord. God is whom I trust. Scripture says this, if you commit your way to the Lord, Psalm 37, 5, and you trust Him, He will act. So let's put our expectations in the right place. Let's commit to trusting God. Trusting God with my dreams. And as I commit God to God my ways, as I trust God with my dreams, as you trust God and not people, as you come to God and you trust Him, not your team, not your division, not your work, not your co-workers, but the Lord. If you put your hope in the Lord, this is what will happen. It releases you to be a good friend. It releases you to just be free, to be a good friend. Someone comes up short, that's all right. Your hope is in God. God is in control. Someone makes a promise, and that promise falls through, that's okay. Your hope is in God. Someone borrowed a tool and never returned? God is your vindicator. (laughs) He'll get them back. Those thieves. (laughs) I'm kidding. See, make a decision to be a good friend. And make a commitment to build a community that, that, that values good friendship from your family and beyond. When you do that, when you put your expectation on the Lord... And you, and you decide that you're going to be a good friend, what happens is, you know, sometimes you, you get in business with friends or you, you're getting projects with friends and, and that can, the expectation can be misplaced. But if you trust God, he, he will take you to where you need to go. And, and if you offer that friendship to God, He will do that too. So just to recap, good friends serve one another. 
Good friends watch out for each other's blind spots. Good friends cover each other's faults. Good friends are present. And good friends place their expectations on God and not people. I believe that if you do that, if you live to be a good friend, you will, be, you, you will see the community around you flourish. If you lead and you're the light in that environment, you will set the tone. You'll be a trendsetter. And you'll begin to see not only in your family, but at your work and your surroundings, things will begin to change because God is using you to set a new norm for those relationships. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. I love that.